welcome to Lending Forward, a podcast where we're lending every bit of what we know to our listeners. From real conversations and lessons learned deep within the industry to education and forward thinking, together we're Lending Forward. And as always, don't forget to subscribe to our channels and connect with us on www.atlanticbay.com. Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group, LLC, NMLS number 72043, NMLSconsumeraccess.org is an equal opportunity lender. Located at 600 Lynn Haven Parkway, Suite 203, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23452. Welcome to another episode of Lending Forward. Today joining us is Deborah Bird with Plug and Play Social Media. Welcome, Deb. So weird to be able to talk to you. Like, I feel like I've just seen well, you on the I'm, screen. I'm actually in the nerd headquarters yeah. today because we we just started a podcast that's going to go live here in a couple of weeks. So we're going to be doing that after this. So you'll have to be on the lookout for it. It's going to be called the nerd and the bird. So, oh, I love it. Yeah. What? So tell me more about what the conversations are going to be like. So it will be about marketing, business, branding, mortgage, but also just the behind the scenes and real stories of she and I. And I think people are so fascinated that here we're identical twins and there's so many similarities, but then there's so many differences. And when you can kind of peek behind the curtain, like I think what most people tell us that they're so shocked about is that we're like the biggest dorks. We're goofballs. We don't take ourselves seriously. You know, we're even Denise who could, you know, buy anything that she wants. We we just have funny stories. And so we're going to showcase a little bit of that. There's going to be banter, typical sister banter. And I, I'm most excited to be able to pull out her personality because I I feel like on social, she's always on point with her brand. And I'm a, I color a little bit more outside the lines and a little bit more daring and will say things and do things that maybe, you know, she wouldn't. And so I can pull that out of her so people can really fall in love with that, the core of who she is and understand why she is so passionate and kind of to your point, why it's easier for her to show up on video and to do her social. Not that she has more time than anybody else because she's, again, the single loan officer who helped over 720 families last year. So she doesn't have like LOs underneath her, but it just speaks to her crusade of the bigger why of why she does it, which I don't think a lot of people understand. And then, you know, we'll have other top producers about once a month that I want to make more David Letterman style. Like, I don't want to hear about your production and your, cause I do so many webinars and interviews just with mortgage coach, like twice a week. I know. I want to know the stuff that people don't ask and like, what, was your childhood like? And what's what's really going on so we can hear and feel the soul of the person beyond just always work-related stuff? I love it. I think that's so important to pull that out of somebody because that really tells the, did you have a bad experience and that's why you give such white glove service? Or yeah. did you never own a home? Have you, has your family ever owned a home? And then like, tell us the, tell us the worst lending experience you've ever had to give, you know, yeah. or, or was it on you or was it on the bar? Who yeah. was it on? Tell right. us more. Yeah. I love that. I love yeah, the but... questions not asked. And then those aha moments, like what was a pivotal, and you can answer this right now. What is a pivotal part of your career that you're like, wow, I can look back at that. And so one day I was one way and then something happened and then forever more, I have never been that way again. I would say sometimes the worst day ends up being your best day. And through the evolution of me trying to explore and figure out who I am and what I want to be. When I grew up, when I was younger, I thought I was going to be the Patch Adams of a hospital. And I don't know if you know who Patch Adams is. It's with Robin Williams. It's a movie. And he would heal humans through laughter and treat the human, not just the illness. So growing up, our our dad had raised us from a very young age. My mom was in and out of mental institutions and psych wards. And I was the only one that had a relationship with her. So I'm talking like 
five, six, seven years old, I would go visit her in straight jackets. And I, but that is when I became really good at studying humans when I couldn't really communicate and ask questions, but I saw what people wanted and we all went about it in different ways. So I thought, okay, probably the worst thing you can do for a mental person is put them in a padded room and like take them away from their family. Right. So I just fell in love with studying humans from a very young age. I went to school. I was in the nursing program. I started clinicals and I was like, okay, this is not for me. I, I wanted to specialize with kids and they hate you because you're coming in with needles. They don't feel good. They've been burned or abused. And so I didn't want to be a teacher and a coach because I thought there's just such a limit on your income potential. And I kept thinking in order to live this large life, how would I do that? But despite that concern, I knew if I wanted to build relationships with kids, I would need to do that. So I did middle school, which is like the craziest age group for most. It's, you know, they're hormonal. Right. I would always, every year I was like, I want the kids nobody else wants. Cause I knew I could make them into rock stars just by what I knew was studying people. I could care when I was in school, like it was to socialize. I was not the best student. I was actually a terrible test taker, but that's what made me so powerful in the classroom is I could really relate to them and help break down certain barriers so that they could actually believe in themselves again. Cause it's crazy how much school will teach you how not to ask questions and to fear failure. So I taught science because that was the one subject you could blow shit up in a lab and right. it was okay. And you could learn by mistakes. And long story short, I got married to another teacher and a coach and I was told I would never, I would be able to have kids. So I never thought I would, would have a family. And I ended up having four kids in five and a half years trying not oh to have kids. <laughs> so they were wrong, but I was pregnant with my third child. And that's when I was like, okay, what are we going to do for finances? Because daycare is expensive, you know, all these wow. medical bills. And I didn't know anything about economics. I didn't go to school for business. And my sister was like, you know, have you ever thought about getting into the mortgage business? You, you send me more closed deals per month than my top real estate agent. And I was like, really? Because you're like a... Yeah. And I've always just been a natural connector. Like I, I have like this antenna for like, who has a problem? Let me go solve it. Probably right. part of also some baggage from childhood. But right. Right. that's when I thought, you know, I need to do something different. So why not? So I never started at like Countrywide or Big Box Bank. I started with my sister as my manager and coach where the first week we went to Todd Duncan's Sales Mastery. And then a few months later, we went to his, what was called boot camp. then. And she was like, your job is to implement and execute this three and a half pound binder of all these things that we just learned. And that was kind of what I was good at, at breaking things down, chunking them, creating curriculums, creating action plans, business development strategy, meeting with partners, whether it's CPAs, divorce attorneys, you know, and building their businesses to where, although I made a lot of money, it was almost like that lack of fulfillment with achieving it it felt like I was a fraud. And that was the hardest part. That's what I mean by the worst day becoming the best day. Because I, I really struggled with, I don't love analyzing tax returns or credit reports. I love meeting with a client and teaching them. And almost, I was over teaching and I was not a good closer. It was basically charity work. <laughs> My sister right. was like, all right, at some point you have to, you can't just be used for your marketing brain with agents. You got to ask for the business. So I went on a little two-year hiatus, I guess, where I had a family law attorney, which I, I got my certification in divorce lending because I thought that could recession-proof my business. And she was like, you know, I need a chief of marketing and design. Would you want to come in? And I was like, actually, this would be great because I pretty much felt like a psychologist all day meeting with people with divorce consults. And it was high 
conflict custody cases. And so I loved it. And I got my real estate license during that time. So I could refer deals out to loan officers and agents and still legally get paid commissions. So I was like, this is multiple streams here. Right. Loved it. And then as I was working there, I was building up my side business of the marketing. And I started with Denise and I had helped with our the company that we were at with their entire CRM and building it out. And, and I thought this is always, I feel like it's a huge need for loan officers. They don't know how to brand themselves. They, they kind of always depended on the agent to be the face because right. it was more of a high I personality, whereas right. loan officers are more high C and they could be behind the screen and not have to be as personable or relatable because their business was always coming from the agent. And so I just mm-hmm. eventually, when I replaced my income at the law firm, and even though I loved working there, it was very emotionally draining. And sure. I was like, I'm just going to burn the boats and say, you know what? I love spreading financial literacy. And I knew one-on-one, I couldn't do it as quickly as I could if I could find the right loan officers who also cared about giving good advice. My content would go through the vessels of them all over the country. And even though it's not my face, I always joke with Denise, I'm like, I'm a great backup dancer. I was the second twin out the shoot. So I'm great at amplifying other people. I just want families who, and especially right now, they really need good advice. I want the good guys out there helping them. So that's kind of the long and short to that. But it it was a very ugly, painful journey while I was trying to figure out what is it that really sets my soul on fire. And I got kind of lost along the way and just and I just felt like a fraud and I didn't want to admit it because everyone would see me online back then and be like, she's, you know, the perfect mom, perfect wife, great with branding. I'm like, but I hate what I do when it comes to, if I had to look at another schedule E or schedule C, I'm like, Ugh, or talk about interest rates. It just wasn't what set my soul on fire. Yeah. Well, what do they say? They say growth is uncomfortable. And, you know, in order to figure out, you got to, you got to knock on some bad, bad doors before you figure out what will work and what, what, like you said, will set your soul on fire and it'll show through, which now it does, you know, it truly does between you and your sister that you're both like at really great points right now. And then it's, okay, how can we pour into people with a financial wellness and well being and literacy and education that people need right now? And you at plug and play. Let's talk about that. You know, I mean, let's talk about kind of how you can pour into your people and educate them. And what what would you say? So how did plug and play come to fruition? What mm-hmm. does that look like? And how can people start utilizing it? So plug and play SM and everyone, people always ask me, what does the SM stand for? I'm like, it's social media. I didn't right. think I would have to, that would be a really long URL if it was plug and play Social, social media, media. Yeah. but I, I wanted as close to a plug and play solution for the busy loan officer who struggles with, I don't know what to post. I don't know how to post. I'm not consistent. And what I saw just behind the scenes from working within marketing departments at mortgage companies, that thing that they know they need to do, like they know they need to do video. They know they need to be online. That was the very thing that then started to beat themselves up with because they're like, I said I was going to do this. I didn't do it. I said I was going to do it. I didn't do it. Or I don't have time to learn. Like, how do I record a video? How do I, what's a reel? What What do you mean I have to go and like, I don't want to do a photo shoot or lifestyle photos or video. I'm here to be a loan officer. And so I thought, how could I make it as plug and play as possible, but without it being vanilla? Because I will say that was the challenge when working in the marketing department is they all want the content and there's great marketing content being created by companies all over the country. But the loan officers who understand personal branding, they don't want what everybody else in the company is posting. And then wearing the hat from the company, they have to be vanilla enough and generic enough for all to be able to use. And so 
I thought, I don't want to do that. I want more brand positioning, basically what I did for my sister and where I feel like the modern loan officer needs to be consistent with if you want to compete with the rocket mortgage. I mean, the, the robots are going to be able to do it better than you now and in the future. It's only getting better and better. So how do you represent the most human advice positioning on social where you're showing total cost analysis with mortgage and you're showing people cost over time. It's not just the exchange of paperwork to get an interest rate. It's here's how we're different. Here's how we care. And trust me, I meet with loan officers and they're like, but we care. I'm like, that sounds great, but nobody believes words anymore. You have to prove it. So what do you do that shows that you care? And and so I just really help them develop their uniqueness and how do you show up online and we will do the consistency part for them. And for some, that's that's enough. Others, they want more, you know, they're willing to do video. And so we put the squeeze on them is what I call it. No matter the level of package that our clients have, every Friday, I send a coaching email where it gives them their playbook for the following week. I used to do it at a month advance so they could see a bigger view. Right. But loan officers are never going to execute when it's that, that much. So I would say, okay, here's your Monday through Friday playbook of things that you can do that's more of the offensive side of the strategy for like a sports analogy, mm-hmm. where we're going to do the defensive side. Like you're going to be consistent. You're going to have educational, financial rich content. That's not mm-hmm. vanilla. That's going to go out every day. For some of our clients, we do, it's called our influencer package, where we also log in as them and we mm-hmm. will like, comment, happy birthdays. Like we, we're doing that engagement for them, which is essential. So it just kind of depends on their level of what they need starting even from a a basic package that's only $250 a month, because that is something that was really important to me. I wanted any level of loan officer to have a possible solution because we all need help. And sometimes when you're new in the game, you're like, oh, but she has four assistants and five production partners. Like, how am I supposed to close five deals a month, fight with underwriters and processors to get to the finish line while juggling leads, while juggling my DMs, my emails, getting disclosures out? Like it's it can be a lot on your own. So it was to remove the friction and really excuses of why people aren't on social, which to me now, there really is no excuse. You're either lazy or, and you won't do it yourself. And maybe it's a value thing because some people at the root of it don't value social still. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you don't, I have learned, I cannot change your beliefs until I've provided enough value or until there's enough evidence. And then once you change that viewpoint, then we can actually execute. But if the motive isn't pure, like if it's just for likes and followers and to be famous, then you're going to be disappointed. Right. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, so that's what plug and play is. I mean, we're a, a company that specializes with loan officers to help them connect to more people who need what they have in a easy manner that based off their, what they're comfortable doing. And while we're pushing and squeezing them, we'll eventually get there. So, right. I love that. I think it's, it's so important. And I've heard all the excuses in the book as to why you should not be on social or why you don't feel comfortable using video. And I just, like you said, some are just, it is what it is. And I can't fix that. Those are two, at least I have the the drive and the will. Those are the ones that are coachable and they're able to just say, look, let's just trial and error it for six months and see, and look back at the analytics to see what worked. So we know how important it is to I personally think COVID kind of threw everybody into this, like, let's all brand. Although being branding yourself has always been really important because your customers work with you, your brand, how you do business, not so much the company. The company supports you in every endeavor, but you're out there getting the business. It is essentially your brand. So what would you say, you kind of hit on like, 
being unique? How do you kind of extract that from some of the folks that you work with? So there's six questions and I'll actually, I'm going to pull, this is my win by noon planner. So anyone listening, I'm a huge supporter of win by noon. It win by noon and mortgage coach, when I started off as a loan officer, and again, I was very insecure. I, I could barely spell mortgage. I had an escrow account, had no idea how it worked, but I remember at Sales Mastery, we were introduced to Mortgage Coach and Win by Noon. And I I just followed that planner of what you're supposed to do. And then I would present a TCA. I had no idea how the math worked. I'm like, I hope to God that the client doesn't (laughs) ask me how it calculates this because I have no clue. But it was like the cape I could wear when I walked into a meeting to feel more secure. So just... You know, small plug for them because I couldn't be here without them. But these are the the six questions that I ask clients and I go in this order to help them really find their uniqueness. So the first one is, what problem do you solve? And I know that sounds basic, but sometimes you have to think beyond just the surface level problem of what clients think that you're solving for them and what the real root problem is. Like, is it they're moving and they're stressed out because now they're moving out of state and they have to quickly find something and should they rent or should they own? So it's, what problem do you solve? Number two is what are you on fire for? Like, what are you passionate about within what you do? And usually to dial in on what's, what's real. Cause when I do this exercise during discovery calls, I, I can feel loan officers who almost take what other top producers say, whether it's on mortgage coach or wherever, and they project that onto what they think they should believe or what's really true to them. I'm like, I don't want like this is a safe zone. I need like real authentic because I've been there, done that, worn the t-shirt of right. trying to find that path. And if anyone can brand themselves, I had an identical twin with the same DNA, same chromosomes. I had moved from Houston back to Dallas in her market. We were both working at the same company, both originating, and I had to differentiate myself. So if I can do it and figure it right. out, anybody can. Sure. But it starts with what problems do you solve? And then what really sets your soul on fire with what you do in the job. You know, for some, they ask, they love scrubbing and being like the scientist in the lab yeah. of dissecting tax returns and credit reports. And then others love more the, the business development side and meeting relationships. And it's important to figure that out because then you can hire and build a team based off what you don't like or aren't good at. So those are the first two. Number three is what do you research? So are you a are you researching real estate trends because you're focused on building a business with real estate teams? And is it a real estate, is it an agent or do you like working with teams? Is it, are you going after divorce attorneys? Are you going after financial advisors and life insurance agents? Like what is it that you are researching and learning about? And then what do you have results in? And this even goes to some of the discovery calls for clients who aren't in the industry and they haven't been in the industry Mm -hmm. for a while. So I will just ask them where in your life or in your former career, were you getting results? And what do you think helped you achieve those? Are you a doer? Are you, you know, a checklist? Like what, what are those things? And then how, and what would people buy from you? So again, that's beyond just the end user or the customer. It's also going, are people going to buy into your masterminds that you're going to do once a month? Are you going to do webinars? Like what? So when I say buy, it may not be an exchange of money, but it's that your time. And then the last one is this, the business that you want to be in that sometimes is a, a process and not something that obviously we start off with in the discovery call, but I have had clients that as we get really clear of who they are and it, that takes trust and time for them to realize, you know, I'm a safe place and there's no judgment and some love what they do. And some it's time for them to probably find something else because they actually hate it. And it, felt and they couldn't come on video and share because they just, they're burned out maybe. Yeah, and heart's and not I, in it. 
Yeah. And I always like to tell people it, that's okay. I don't want you to feel like you don't have an outlet for that. But then if, if that is the case, then what's the strategy? So finding your X factor or unique uniqueness in the business, whether that's a certain loan program or, you know, like veterans or teachers or coaches, I've obviously had a lot of teachers and coaches that I worked with, but what is it? And let's go after that deep. I love it. That's a lot. I mean, it's, it's a lot, but it's, it's just some, these are questions that like, it's hard to ask those questions and it's hard to be honest with yourself because you're your Mm -hmm. worst critic. I'm sure you hear it. Like you're, you know, I can't, I don't, I don't like, I don't like the way I look and those types of things, but you have, you have to coach them out of it and knowing how they operate before you do. So I love the way you go about it. Cause I think that's so important. And mortgage bankers need that agents need that, you know, but so from a marketing standpoint overall, and we love video obviously, but what are some marketing must do's that you're seeing right now working? They're working. I mean, the analytics prove it, your insights prove it. What would you say, you know, someone who is ready and willing to go on social and do things, you know, what would you say, where would they need to be? First and foremost, it's the short form vertical video content. So for those who are listening, it's so TikTok is heavily competing with YouTube. Instagram's heavily competing and Facebook with TikTok. And the why behind it is because of that short form vertical video content that I was telling people years ago. I'm like, guys, y'all need to get on TikTok. And they're like, no, we're going to do Clubhouse. And I'm like, I'm telling you, TikTok is where it at is that. But what I hope people understand is the the why behind it and kind of the psychology of, I think people forget social media is still a place for being social. And most people right. go there to escape. It's an escape activity, whether they're in the bathroom in the morning or at a sales yep. meeting. And so you have to have a good content strategy that approaches one, every type of learners, and then understanding the mindset of when people are there versus YouTube, which YouTube, the mindset, I don't really count that as a social media because it's a, it's the second largest search engine. So right. if when people go and approach YouTube, it's more of a search of like, how do I qualify for a home or how do I move to Dallas, Texas? Mm-hmm. So with that short form vertical content, if you were going to start today, I would say, and you can repurpose that video. So you can post it as a reel on Instagram and a reel on Facebook. What I see most people, what they're not doing once they post the reel is they don't then share the reel to their story. I see some that will download the reel, save it to their camera roll, and then upload it separately to their story. Don't do that. You should share the reel directly to your story even put like a a sticker over the top that says new reel or new caption because your stories are meant for getting people to like you. You know, it, we've seen a big increase in people doing story surfing. So you, you land on a story and you get stuck and you're just going through like story land and same thing happens with reels, which is why you need to be doing reels. I would say at least a reel a day, which I know is kind of aggressive. Gary V says four TikToks a day. So I'm not saying four TikToks a day, but And you never want it to feel forced either. So to that, it shouldn't just be something that you check off a list to get it done because then you just become part of the noise. And I never think adding to the noise or being louder is the solution. It's it's being more valuable. So sharing your reels to your stories and then your YouTube shorts and TikTok. So if I had to tell people which three areas with the short form video would you focus on, it would be reels on Instagram and Facebook, TikTok and YouTube shorts. And YouTube primarily because it is owned by Google and the second largest search. And so when people are are searching, you want to show in the feeds and in the ranks. So yeah, that's where I would say start. I love it. 
I think it's so important to just, I'm, I am attempting one reel a day. I have not gotten into TikTok land. I know I need to be there. I just have to figure out what's your way in on this. What is your philosophy on like the trending sounds and the, the dancing just from a, a mortgage banker standpoint, you know, like, are we, are we doing the dancing? Is that successful? Is that driving people to use you for one of the biggest financial decisions of their life? You know, I, I just, I get in this web of like, I know I need to do it, but will they, what, what will they think? Or, you know, I, I know I also need to be at this level. And then there's that like pushback with myself. So tell us what your thoughts are. That's a really good point because the sounds on TikTok, which there's an app, um, there's several, several of them out there that will show you the trending sounds. You can also just go to TikTok and when you scroll, you'll start to hear like the same ones. And sometimes there's a dance that aligns with it and sometimes there's not. But using the trending sounds absolutely helps with get getting free reach. I had a loan officer that actually saw me at my son's baseball game and I looked like a hot mess express, but kudos to him for like pulling out his phone and he's like, can you help me with you know my reels? And so I gave him just a few tweaks. And one of those was utilizing the trending sound, which you can always turn down the volume to like a level one. But what that does with the algorithms is the algorithms know that people like seeing content with that sound. So it's going to show any video with the sound to more people. So know that you don't have to do the dancing. If your personality is already known and it's true to you, I, like, I can't stand when I see people trying to be something that they're not, because I think probably because I was that way for so long, I hid behind the mask that I just know the end solution to that is not pretty. So if it fits with your personality and it's educational and it shows creativity of how you can take a trending sound or dance, it doesn't mean like if it's a booty shaking dance that you have to then shake your booty, but because you do want to be a professional. And to me, social is a trust accelerator when done correctly. And the higher the trust needed, like if you look at doctors, lawyers, financial services that require a lot of trust, believe it or not, when you look at the trust scale with social, people absolutely will research you and judge you on competency and warmth. Like, can I trust this person? Are they going to protect my self-interest? And when they land on your feed, this is another big miss. I think people overthink singular posts and they don't realize it's when someone's been referred to you or they see something and they land, they're going to scope you out and they scroll for a couple of feet. And then they're judging you based off a couple of feet of what they see. Right. So it's got to be true to you. You've got to stay in your lane and it's got to fit. Is it meant to be like behind the scenes? Is it to show personality with your team culture? Is it to show your personality? Is it informational? You know, so it's a fine line and there's some that can do it really well. I do feel like this is where women have the upper hand because we can almost, we can be cheesy and corny and it can be cute where men even if I were to do the exact same video from a man and a woman, a man is always seen more as a salesperson because from context and, and framing, women are seen more nurturing and you know they care. So there's few men like Loans by JB, Justin Brown. He does a great job of mixing it up, using trending sounds, adding some you know comic relief. Like he had one with a ketchup bottle upside down <laughs> held by a rope. This was like early days and he was using it like a microphone. So it's just... <laughs> It can be a way to build connection as long as it's true to you and you have other pillars of content that mixes up. Like you can't be funny every single time. You need to show competency and that you are an expert. I love that. It's it is important to have some sort of I call it like a healthy flow of content, you know. And it it is, you said it, like it's still meant to be social, right? So it's still you should still 
because remember the days when people would be like, oh, well, do I have a business account and a personal account? And I'm like, "Mm, I would say no, because then you've got to have all this content all the time. So I think being able to still show your family side of things and also you at a closing, it's just, it's integrated into your life at this point. And it should be because it is a social media platform. So if you can have everything housed in one spot, people will truly see who you are as a person. And they might want to do business with you just because your son was at a t-ball game or a baseball game. And, you know, my son was at, so it just, it all comes full circle that way. How would you say, this is my last question. And because you're on Lending Forward, I have to ask you, what's next? Lend Forward for you, what is the rest of 2022 looking like? Well, we're going through, in fact, on Thursday, we'll find out if second quarter, you know, was negative, if if we're in a recession or, or leaning in towards a recession. What I think right now for this year, this is when loan officers now more than ever have the most opportunity to gain more market share with real estate agents because they are bleeding right now. They they need you as their partner more than ever. And then also the communities that we serve that ironically, I, I tell loan officers and real estate agents, I'm like, you guys do realize y'all put people in like roofs over their head in communities. So why not keep building your community who they're going to desperate? I believe we're heading into a recession and they need financial literacy. And we could see if not that we're going to have foreclosures or short sales, but if people are without a job for 90 days, you may see an increase in people needing to sell because they need their equity and they may have to go rent. So I think learning creative loan products that your company offers is going to be essential in the future, just from what this possible recession could breed. I think going after key agents and showing them strategies like rate drop versus price drop, which one creates a win-win for both the buyer and the seller right now, because we have a huge challenge with home affordability. And I think we're probably going to see interest rates stay around the 5%. So as of this week, the number of price reductions was up to 34.8%. And they really think by the end of summer will be as high as 40%. So it's creating enough content consistently to still control the narrative of what the media is putting out there because the media is great at instilling fear. And if you're not consistently showing up both for your real estate partners to be the vessel of value and information for them. And that's, that's really why people hire us is they know I'm kind of a junkie for like, I consume marketing and mortgage and real estate statistics. Like it's my oxygen in my air. So I can take the time learning all of that to then create content and sending the weekly emails to make them kind of the badass and the the knowledge broker, so to speak, where then they can just go and apply it. So it saves them time from having to be on all these webinars that I'm on listening to all these economists. And not that any of them are going to be perfect. And that's what I always tell people that nobody knows what's going to come and you don't have to be perfect, but you do need to be an expert, which means you have to study your trade, leverage people like myself who are doing that and kind of giving you the answers, but then go be that person to your agents, because that's really where the annuity of income comes from. And let's face it, during the last couple of years, even top producers, and I won't name any of them, but they were so underwater that they neglected some of those agent relationships where now it's like, go after them. And I think starting in the DMs is the easiest way, even with your clients. If you've fallen off of staying in touch with them, it's like, just put them on social and start liking and commenting, especially story comments. 
in the DMs because now you're creating conversations and the more conversations you have can lead to more conversion if done strategically. It's just most people when they think of, okay, I'm going to do an hour of prospecting, they don't consider putting 20 minutes of that hour on social where you're just being your partner's and client's biggest fan at a time when likes and comments are drastically decreased since 2019, really because of COVID. People just aren't liking and commenting anymore. And I I think that's largely due to the amount of increased screen time that we've seen and humans get lazier over time that social and our phone has really replaced TV and radio that people just aren't going to like and comment. So when others aren't doing that, you should have a favorites list on your feed with which both Instagram and Facebook allows you to do. You can click favorites and it will only show you the news feed of your favorites people and like and comment and story comment so that you're creating that engagement and it's going to lead to more business. So that's what I would be focusing on to finish the year strong and really setting up 2023 and 24 is you need to be meeting and providing consistent value to your partners and to your your clients and like be that in tune where you know what do your clients do do they have family members who are older that may have to move in with them in case you know times do get tough the average right. family their bills went up $600 a month just because of inflation it's like how well do you really know your customers and are they racking up credit cards right now mm-hmm. and pulling their credit score down so you've got to be the vessel of information and also truth. So good. Such good stuff. Well, thank you so much for being on today's episode. We appreciate you. Yes. Thank you for having me. Thanks again for listening to the Lending Forward podcast powered by Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group. Don't forget to tune in next week and make sure you subscribe to our channel. Remember, we all play a part in Lending Forward. So go lend something forward today.